The scripture lesson for today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. But before I read it, I want to tell you how I chose it. Pastor Jody asked me to preach on this Sunday. And I was honored that he would ask me. This congregation is a little unusual. There's at least five pastors that sit in the congregation, or clergy, that sit in this congregation. It's amazing. That's not usual, folks, okay? Just so you know that. It's not usual, but it's great. And he didn't tell me what I had to preach on. He didn't, I got to pick, and so what I normally do is when I preach, I've used the Revised Common Lectionary. And the Revised Common Lectionary is a three-year pattern of Scripture, your A, B, and C. And there's an Old Testament lesson, a New Testament lesson, a Gospel lesson, and a Psalm. And if, those all, if all four of those were read aloud every Sunday, after three years, you would have heard 80% of the Bible. Some churches use the Revised Common Lectionary. Some pastors don't use it. Some, church, some, pastor, some churches don't. But I thought, okay, I could pick a favorite verse to preach from, but I thought that's not what, that may not be what God wants. So I, I looked at the Revised Common Lectionary, and this was the text for it. And you think, hmm. But here's the rest of the story. A, couple of, a few months ago, Bob Stewart asked me to teach at the uh, Fish Sunday School class because he and his wife were going to their son's wedding. And it just so happened in the book for the class, guess what lesson it was that I had to teach on? This very passage. So I said, okay, Lord, you're telling me something here that this is what we need to hear. This is what I need to preach on. So hear the word of God. Now, one of the Pharisees was requ requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she, br she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. And Jesus said, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, who he forgave more. And, Jesus, and he said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. 
And he said to her, your sins, and he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's an amazing sight for for this woman to walk into the Pharisee's house. When I first read this passage, I thought, why did she, it says, and when she heard, where is it? And, and, and when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar vial of perfume. She immediately goes there. She doesn't think she can't go. Now, the Pharisee, just the Pharisee inviting Jesus to dinner or to the meal there at his house was a strange thing. It says, and now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with dinner. What that means is he didn't just ask him once. The Pharisee asked him more than one time. Come on, Jesus, come to my house. I'm not just saying, oh, oh, we're going to have dinner sometime. Has somebody ever said that to you and you never had dinner with them? Or, or we'll, we'll invite you out to the house and you never got invited to the house? The Pharisee was not, was the kind of person many times who would have said that. Jesus' mission and message and the Pharisee's mission and message, two totally different things. They wouldn't have wanted to be interested in Jesus or be seen with him. But he insisted and he said, no, Jesus, I mean it. Please come to my house for dinner tonight. We don't know why he wanted that. Because the interaction was because of the woman, not because of who Simon was, the the Pharisee. But Jesus comes. Jesus says, okay, I I see that you really mean it. So so we'll we'll gather, we'll all come to your house. And and they didn't sit at a table with chairs, okay? Most of the time when you go into somebody's house today, there's a table and chairs. Well, in this house, at, at that time, they, what they would do is have a central table, a, a, a table, and people would, there would be cushions on the floor, and you would lay on those cushions, and you'd lay sort of on your side and, and have your elbow down, and you'd bring the food, the food would be right there, and you could eat it with your hands and that way, okay? That's how they ate. So Jesus is laying there, and it is normal that when someone comes into the house, there's a greeting of a kiss, there's a greeting of of um, wa- someone washing their feet because they wore sandals and they were on dirt roads. They weren't in cars on nice paved roads. So their feet were dirty. So, and to even to anoint someone with oil so that the place would smell good. That was the normal thing and the Pharisee didn't do it. This woman This woman came in 
but she didn't know what to say. She came into the building. She must have been there before because nobody stopped her. Now, this woman, it says, for she was a sinner. Well, the original word for that in there, it's not just somebody who was, like everybody else, a sinner. There were immoral sins. She wasn't the kind of person you'd bring home to mom, in other words, okay? This was not a woman that, she, this was a woman that had a reputation in the town and had earned it, and it's how she made her living, but something had begun to eat at her. And she knew that what she was doing was wrong and wanted to get away from it. God was at work in her life before she even realized it. It's what we call prevenient grace. The grace that comes before we're even aware of God being there. She was receiving God's grace even before she knew it. But she knew something was wrong and, and she... Her, she had heard about this Jesus, and when she heard that he was going to be at this place, she could not not be there. She had to be there. But when she got there, she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed by the presence of this, of Jesus, the one that she knew she was in exactly the right place in exactly what she should be doing. She knew it. But she couldn't say anything. I've been there. I, I know what that feels like. In the fifth grade, I was in a Sunday school class. Lieutenant Colonel King Kaufman, an infantry officer, was my Sunday school teacher. It was at Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania, and there were only, there were five or six boys in that fifth grade Sunday school class. Okay, you can imagine what fifth grade boys are like. Imagine there are only boys in the class. I think there was a reason they put an infantry officer in that class. <laughs> but he could have been teaching the adult Sunday school class. He could have preached. But during the class one day, the end of the lesson, he wanted to know if we wanted to accept Christ. And so he did what you do with fifth grade boys. He had us close our eyes and put our heads down. And he said, if you want to pray this prayer with me, raise your hand. And I raised my hand and I prayed that prayer with him. And I accepted Christ into my heart. It was... I had gone to church my whole life. <sighs> but it was my decision to accept Christ. It was something I was doing. And that moment was, a, was very, very important to me. It's one that stayed with me. I can still picture it. This, where the Sunday school class was, everything. Flash forward about 32 years. I graduated from high school, gone to, got, been, spent time in the Army, got out of the Army, went to college, went to seminary, became a pastor, became an Army chaplain. 
And so there I was, an Army chaplain, oops, sorry, an Army chaplain at Fort Riley, Kansas, in an infantry battalion. And I heard somehow that retired Colonel King Kaufman was going to be speaking at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, just a couple hours down the road. I could not not be there. I had to go. So I went. And he what he talked about there was a legacy, leaving a legacy, being a legacy, that the people that, and that as leaders, that's what we do. It's not what we do that is our legacy. It's what the people that work for us and with us, what they do and what we coach and mentor them to do, that is our legacy. When it was over, I had to talk to him. So I went up and got in line, and when it was my turn, I stepped forward. I'm an ordained clergy. I'm an army chaplain. I'm used to walking up to people I don't know and talking to them. But I didn't know what to say. I stood there in tears. I hadn't seen him in all that time. Um, he waited for me. And I said to him, sir, I am your legacy. And I told him what I just told you about my life. That because of him leading me to Christ and me making that decision, he is part of my legacy and I'm a part of his. But I know what it feels like to stand in front of somebody that you want to pour your heart out to and words fail you. You don't know what to say. This woman is standing at the feet of Jesus and she doesn't know what to do except cry. And as she's standing there and the tears run down her face, she sees his feet and her tears falling onto his feet and so she kneels down and cleans his feet with her tears and then when they're clean and he, she just cries because she's overwhelmed because of his presence in her life and then she dries his feet with her hair and then takes the oil the, the perfume, that she's going to leave the life she was living. That was her income. She doesn't know what she's going to have, and this is probably the most expensive thing she owns. And she takes it and she pours it all over his feet. Everybody in the house can smell this. And she rubs it into his feet. She does all she knows to do. As she's doing it, Simon has this look on his face like, yeah, if he knew what she, who she was, he wouldn't let her do that. That's on his face. Because it says, he said to himself. But then it says, 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus is intuitive. And he, and he, real, he read Jesus' face. And when he did, he said, I got I, I want to, he still was respectful of this Pharisee. And he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon says, tell me. Tell me, teacher. And he said, and he tells him the story of the man who, one man owes somebody 500 denarii, which is like owing somebody 500 day, days of pay. Owing somebody 500 days of pay. Almost two years. Probably not going to be able to repay it. And somebody else owes him 50 days of pay. About just under two months. Maybe be, over time could repay it. And then, so who forgives him more? And he says, the one who owed him the most. Jesus turns to the woman and says, do you see her? From the moment she came in, she hasn't stopped taking care of my feet, taking care of me. You didn't do that. And he looks her in the eye and says, your sins are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now, it's, it's important of where he said it because it wasn't just to her it was also to the Pharisee and the other people in the room so that when they went out from there what were they going to talk about Jesus said her sins are forgiven we can't treat her the way we did before Jesus said her sins are forgiven if he says they're, they're forgiven then I got to accept that they're forgiven it, main, it changes her status in the community when Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And then they said, who does he think he is forgiving sins? And he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The title of the sermon is guess who's coming to dinner? Could you imagine what it was like at the Pharisee's house when he came home and said, guess who came to dinner? And it's Jesus. And his wife probably fainted. Uh, you, you, you know, you don't know. But, but guess who else came to dinner? That woman that they didn't expect. When Jody asked me to preach, he said, remember when we had that Wednesday night meeting and you stood up and spoke? I said, yeah. He said, you're going to have to say that word. You're going to have to talk about that. It's all the guidance he gave me. When we had the meeting about the state of the finances, and I stood up and I said, this congregation is a unique congregation because it's multiracial. Without without it being on purpose. It works here. That's un somewhat unusual in United Methodist churches, in a lot of churches, for it to be multiracial. It's one of the things that brought me to this congregation. 
this church has a reputation, a good reputation. People are going to be coming to dinner here. Jody is a great pastor. Jody is a great preacher. I would come to both services. Not just because, it was before I was even in the choir. I would, I would come to both services because I wanted to hear him preach more. Because if you only come to the 11 o'clock service, you don't hear how he preaches at the 8.30. It's the same message with the same content, but just said just a little bit differently. And I marveled at that. It's not easy to do. But he did it week after week after week. And I realized that in his sermons, there would be some milk. Something for somebody who's, who's new to the faith or who's seeking and just trying to figure out whether they want to believe or not. There was something there for them. But before you knew it, you were into the meat. Really good, deep theological stuff. And everybody walked out. Changed. It was different. They weren't the same person when they left. Because they encountered Jesus. They didn't encounter Jody Ray. They encountered Jesus Christ. He proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. This congregation is going to grow. You don't even know it yet. Because you're going to go out and you're going to invite people. You're going to share the gospel by being who you are and bring people here. And people are going to say, I want to encounter Jesus. Where can I go? Stockbridge First United Methodist Church. I can encounter Jesus there. I know the sin in my life. This woman knew the sin in her life. The Pharisee knew the sin in his life. When he was, there was a, there's a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a sociologist. And he, talk, he was talking about sin and forgiveness. And he said, if you knew the sin of my life, you wouldn't be listening to me. And then he said something that Pennsylvanians understand. He said, but don't get uppity. Because if I knew the sin in your life, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you. We all have sin in our lives. Whatever it is, we're sinners who need forgiveness. I thought I understood what grace was. When Jesus, let me go back a minute. When Jesus saw that woman, he knew not only the past of the shame, the past of shame, but a present of forgiveness and hope. He knew the past, but he also knew the present, that she could be forgiven and would be forgiven and be new. I know, I thought I understood grace. I had preached about grace. I had taught about grace. I had studied it. I thought I understood grace. Justice is getting what we deserve. Getting what I deserve. That's justice. 
Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I do not deserve. I thought I understood grace, but it wasn't until I lost everything, my family, my job, and my career. And I knew that I was a sinner. All of me was a sinner. And other people knew it too, and they loved me anyway. I experienced grace. Jody, last week, said something really, really wise. He said a whole lot of stuff really wise. But one of the things that I wrote down was the blood of Jesus covers our past and the name of Jesus uncovers our future. The blood of Jesus covers our past. Whatever is in your past, Jesus, the blood of Jesus covers it. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus knew all about this woman the moment he saw her. He knew all about her. And he forgave her. He can forgive you. He can forgive your neighbors. You're going to go out and you're going to invite your, the kids in your neighborhood to come to Vacation Bible School. Because that's one of the, what people don't realize is Vacation Bible School is an evangelism tool. Because parents say, well, okay, that's what they'll do for that week. At least in the morning, they'll have something to do that week. And so they send them to Vacation Bible School. Not thinking, wow, well, maybe they'll want to go on Sunday. And you get an opportunity to interact with that family and embrace that family. You're going to do lots of things where you share your faith at work just by being an honest, a person of integrity, a person of honesty, living out your faith in front of them. How do you preach the name of Jesus without saying his name? You live it out in front of them. And when they ask, you tell them. When they ask you where you go to church, you say, Stockbridge First United Methodist Church, come join me. At school, at whatever things you're doing, share your faith. Live your faith. Exercise your faith. Because we have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. And he looks us in the eye, deep into the eyes, and says, you are forgiven. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? The grace of Jesus Christ is ours. Share your faith. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your prayers, for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your love. Knowing who we are, you forgive us. Lord, we pray that you would work in us and in our community, in our school, in our job work. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name.